I've decided I'm going to be the number one donor for everyone that asks me for money that comes for the rest of the year. Oh, yay. Can I have money for JDR? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Outside of the 10 you already committed to. <laughs> Hey, I'm a good closer. I just keep asking and asking and asking. <laughs> I'm Josh Sigmund. And I'm Bryn Rouse. I'm a mortgage guy with a passion for helping people with their money. In all things business, Bryn is my co-host. And I'm a marketing girl. I am literally obsessed with it. Oh, and Josh has showed me how to save money. Quite a bit, actually. Because of her obsession, I hired her to do my marketing. And we've worked together for 10 years. We launched Sigmund Sense in 2020, a podcast about money. It's a podcast that teach people how to save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. And we recorded and published 34 episodes. People liked it, and it was so fun. But most importantly, we helped people. So we're excited to announce we're doing a second season. And we're mixing things up. We're moving away from money talks to focus on all things business, leadership, management, team building, book reviews, hiring, firing, operations, motivating teams, lead generation, time management, personality profiling, closing skills, and of course money, and marketing. We are inviting you to continue this journey with us, and we want your input. What topics would you like to see covered? Email all of your ideas to our podcast email address, sigmundsense at gmail.com. And be sure to click that subscribe button when you visit our channels. You'll get notified when we drop new episodes. Are you ready? Season two, getting down to business. Welcome to Sigmund Sense. All right. Well, here we are back at Sigmund Sense again. We're going to go ahead and finish up. Uh, we're going to finish up. I'm gonna, we're going to push through. We're going to finish up the last piece of the closing skills piece. So we have uh, three last uh, significant closing types that we'll go through. And then on the last episode, you talked about we want to make sure that you help people identify who's the decision maker. Yeah. How, how, do, make, you how do you help couples make decisions? Right. Yeah. And how do you tailor your communication to each one of them to give both yeah. of them respect? Um, but also identifying if there is a true decision maker um, or if you really are like working with a couple that is a collaborative yeah. force. I have together. a super easy answer to that. You want to do that first? Sure. Yeah. So remember going back to how we left off the last two episodes. Basically, we're dealing with thinkers, feelers, knowers. And we're also thinking about the DISC personality profiles. There's lots uh -huh. of d d uh, personality profiling you can do, but DISC is one we're referencing in this episode as well. And basically, mm -hmm. the question came up from a viewer of, okay, you have two people, uh, husband and wife. Opposites typically attract. You know, they are... Um, they have different personalities, so you're using these closing skills that are tailored to one personality, so which one do you tailor your personality to? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. It's somebody uh, taught me this probably a decade ago, and it seems it, well, after he did it, it was super obvious. I was like, okay, I'm never going to forget that, so I'm going to teach you a very easy way to figure this out. So all you have to do is when you're you, you know, you want to be face-to-face -face or in a Zoom meeting so you can at least see people's eyes, mm -hmm. and, uh, and they need to be together. So if it is Zoom, they can't be in two different rooms, so they've got to be side-by-side. Um, and the point is, is all you got to do is ask a, uh, a significant or important question. A loaded question. A very important question. Not a BS one, not one yeah. they, like, no, no low-hanging fruit. It's a significant decision. So, for example, a question in house buying might be, what's more important to you? Is it more important for you to, uh, to have the uh, three-car garage or is it more important for you to save $50,000 in the sales price? What's more important to you? Right. And so what ends up happening <laughs> is what Bryn just did is one of the two in the couple will maintain eye contact. The other one will stare right inside the ear of their couple. So if and it's not a man thing, it's not a woman thing. Right. Uh, I've been doing this for years and years and right. years. Yeah, Half the time that. the woman's making the decision. Half times the man's making the decision. But it's a dead giveaway yeah. when somebody defers the other person and just looks at them and keeps their mouth shut. And the upper's like, no, three car garage, dude. Like that's I've got to escape my kids for sure. We're getting a three car <laughs> garage. I don't care about the fifty thousand. I want three car garage, right? So that is truly the easiest way to identify it. The one where it seems confusing, but it's easy as well, is when they both look at each other. I was gonna say, what about if you they both, both look at each other? Laughing. Well, they look at each other and they start talking to each other. It's because they are trying to be on the same page. So you're gonna have to yeah. close both ways. Okay. So now I've identified she's a feeler and he's a thinker. So I'm going to do a feeler close and a thinker close and acknowledge both of them before <laughs> I ask them to make a decision, right? Like, uh, but I will do it in priority order. 
So let me, me explain okay. that. Remember I said earlier that depersonalities need to feel important, <laughs> unfortunately. Right, yes. yes. Depersonalities, aggressive people need to be taken care of first. So a D and I, if, if one half of the couple is a D or I, <laughs> you take care of them first. Yes. But you don't diminish the other side. Then you go answer the question for the S or the C. Yeah. So that's the order of operations if you're looking for an order. But just, hey, what's more important to you, blank or blank? So aggressive first. The aggressive, aggressive personality first. first. Absolutely. Okay. Because you only have a short amount of time before they're like. Oh, dude. If So let's do the opposite, right? So we know that as a deep personality, I like bullet points and quick. And I'm probably the easiest person to close. Like it takes about 15 minutes and I'm done and signed, yeah. right? Um, but if my spouse, which she's not, but if my spouse was a C personality, and we're about to go through what's called a list summary close, but yeah. uh, a C personality, a compliant person, a thinker needs all the details and yeah. the data and 10 things that they haven't even thought of to make a good decision, right? So if you're dealing with my counterpart, who's a detail, 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 detailed person, dude, I am bored as sin <laughs> and you've lost Give me. Give them a right. movie to watch. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. I mean, I'll be like, I'll be on my phone. On you've lost phone. me. It's a problem. Yes, yes. So you would deal with the idea of the option close or so like, hey, out of curiosity, I, I want to talk with both of you about what is more important to you, blank or blank? Okay, so you want to make this offer? Awesome. So this is what your husband's thinking, but let's talk about this for a second. So, so what I heard you say was you want A, B, C, D, F, and G. And we'll go into the list summary close in a second, but that's the order that you would do it. So I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and we were talking about closing skills, and we were doing some role-playing, and there was something that came up that I hadn't thought about in so long, and it was the, that is super important, and I want to get to that, but just for a second, put that right here. We're not going to forget about it. While we address these things, mm-hmm. what is that? Is that well, a, that's a negotiation? Oh, that's a negotiation. Uh-huh. Okay. I was like, why? I can't think of a name for it. I'm like, it's just a hand thing. It's like a. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a negotiation tactic. I'm going to go back in my head. That, that is called a swap out. So I feel like that would be really good to address both in the scenario you just said with the yep. D and the C. Like honor the D like I hear you and those are all really important because you're literally the smartest guy in the room. But for now, let's put that here while we go through the some of the things that are really important your to your spouse. Yep. Because then it's like I am smart. Absolutely. Yep. And my turn's <laughs> coming. So now I can stay engaged. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's called a swap out. A swap That's a negotiation out. skill. And it's also very it's good for nonverbals, right? <laughs> It's really good. So yeah, for those that are just listening on audio, what I was literally doing with my hand is I hear you and I'm putting my hands out into the middle right in front of me. I hear you. And just for a second, I want to put that over here and I'm moving my hands like I'm placing something off to the side and then I'm moving them back to the point that I want to redirect to. So you're literally like having them walk with your hands. Do you need story time again? Yes, absolutely. About when I, when I learned this skill and used it on my wife. Oh, this is really good. This is, this is really good. This is good. So I learned that skill. I don't know. This this is where closing skills gets in trouble, Josh. Yeah. Well, this is about using your you know, for good or evil, right? That's right. And this is evil. So, to be clear. This so is I'm evil. probably 30 years old at the time, and uh, I come home from being busy at work because I was busy, and I did the worst thing that a husband can possibly do, which is I opened the fr- the door and right there I to came greet home. me was a bag of trash that I had not taken out that morning. And so it was, it was right there in the doorway. And so, of course, what I did was I just stepped over it. Of course. And I went to the, Didn't even the, ba- the, the, to the living room and sat down and started watching TV, which is really bad behavior. I'm just letting it you guys is. know. It's like, so do annoying. Like, am so I the I'm only one with there, eyeballs? Right. So I'm sitting there on the couch, and my wife comes over, and she is super pissed. And I'm super confused, but she is super pissed. Yeah, I agree. And rightfully so. And uh, she looks at me, and she, I mean, she doesn't look at me. She's just giving me the right <laughs> act. And I, I literally just learned that negotiation skill that day. And I said, <laughs> so I'll do it for the, the YouTube video in case you guys are watching this. I said, babe, 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 that is super, super important. You're, you're right. I totally understand it. Just for a moment, though, can you grab a seat with me? I'd like to learn, like, find out how your rest of your day was, and then I'll take care of that. And what happens is it's like a Yoda mind trick where they'll, like, watch your hands and forget about whatever the hell they just said. And they'll just kind of do what you want. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm in charge of her mind. I'm in charge. <laughs> and it worked. And she totally forgot. And then I forgot to take out the freaking trash. And I got in more trouble the next day. Jesus. But, but Jesus. it does work. It does work. So we're done with uh, identifying 
which ones make the and decision. And how to navigate when If you they have both need to be taken care of, right. how to do it. I think that was an excellent point that you brought up. Um, but let's go into now something I just referenced almost, which was for the thinkers, which is called the list summary close. List summary close. And so this is not to be confused with an option close. Like right. Uh, option close for gut, short, detailed, to the point, priorities only, high 30,000 foot view. And layered if you need to. Right. A couple of options. You may have yep. to go a couple options. Absolutely. Deep. And then, but the other side is the list summary close, which is two parts. Okay. Step one. You must first list off everything ever that you heard them say was important to them and not miss a thing and possibly add in a few things they hadn't thought of. Okay. Second step. So for those of us that are salespeople, typically salespeople run in the art form of high I's and D's. And they're short and to the point and <laughs> skip a lot. And this is where you can really walk into a lot of trouble mm -hmm. because even as a... We even in our best intentions in our most detailed form, we are not very detailed. Yep. So, and, but what does a C personality think when you're, or what does a thinker think if you are omitting some details? Well, two probably two things in my opinion. One that you are hiding something, or two that you are incompetent. Bing, bing, bing. Because they, the they know more than you. Right. The what, what you're not valuable because right. I you didn't even bring up A, B, and C. That Which I, I found of. and I've already uh, did. But yeah. really the thing is it's a loss of trust. Yeah. Right. So what are you hiding from me if you didn't bring up the obvious, right? Mm -hmm. So with that understanding then, the reason why I said start with listing off everything that matters and then some is because you're demonstrating that you listened to them, that you heard them, and that you value them. Mm -hmm. But then the second step is you're gonna compare what you are about to purchase to what you said was important to really evaluate side by side to help them make a decision. So uh, house buying, let's just say that a thinker comes up and says, uh, I want to buy a, a four bedroom, three bathroom, three car garage with a pool and a cul-de-sac in Garden Ridge under 500,000. It needs to be one story, has to have a three car garage and it has to have a pool cabana, right? Like everyone else on planet Earth. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, so, and by the way, good luck. Builders should buy, should build more right. of those because that's what literally everyone, everyone on wants. the planet wants. <laughs> so with an office now, because yes, you have build for sure. in a game room. So, uh, <laughs> so there, there's the list, right? And so, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that's a needle in a haystack, especially in the world that we live in right now. There's just a, such a supply of houses that it's going to be almost impossible to find half of that, let alone all of that, in the price range you're looking for, right? Yes, and it's 2021, so, mid-year yeah, 2021. listening later. It's, it's a real issue. So my point is, is that, okay, I'm a realtor now, and I go show you a lot of houses, and I find this house that has 75% of everything, but it doesn't have everything, okay? Mm -hmm. So I can't ignore what it doesn't have. And so where the list summary close would come in is I would literally say this if I were a realtor. I'd say, look, uh, what you told me originally was really important to you was you wanted four bedrooms, three bathrooms, three car garage with a pool in a cul-de-sac in Garden Ridge under 500,000 with a, uh, cabana. a cabana and one story. Shotgun. I mean, not shotgun. And one story. <laughs> and one story and with the fireplace. And this has all of that except, except. it's 700,000. It's not in a cul-de-sac and there's not an office. Okay. So the reason I'm pointing this out is I need to know is the cul-de-sac price point or office so important to you that you don't want to make an offer? Or because this is 85% what you wanted, you want to make an offer? What do you think? What do you think? What do thinkers... Well, what? I think that it's out of my price point. Cool. What the point is, is that if you... We said in the previous episode, what a feeler say a lot? I think. I mean, feelers? Feelers? feelers say, I feel like... I feel like... I feel Right. I feel like right. A, I can't even but help. She can't help. <laughs> feelers will are give a dead giveaway. They say feel a lot. I so mean. the same thing works with thinkers. I need to think about it as an example. But you can say, what do you think? Which is making them make a decision right now. I think it's out versus of my Versus I need to think about it tonight. Make sense? So now they're going to go through it and they're going to evaluate because maybe you did. Or maybe they're pre-qualified for a million. Of course, everyone wants less, Right. But they have to make a decision. So now let's even say that everything worked, including the price range, but it doesn't have a, uh, a cabana, it doesn't have an office, and it doesn't have a fireplace. Okay. Uh, so this is everything, including the price point that you want, but it does not have these three things. Doesn't have okay? things. So are those three things so important to you that we don't want to make an offer and don't look at any other properties unless it has these three things? Yes. Or do we need to go ahead and make an offer on this one? And the reason why is that 
I think I need everything I want. We all do. But there's a big dis- difference between a want and a need. Yeah. So given the, the opportunity, I want damn near everything. Everything. Everything I've ever seen in every house put together in put one together is what I expect my price. Yes, for right? sure. And that's what um, – so I just had this conversation. Um, we're trying to narrow down a vacation. And literally, uh-huh. like, I mean, right? What the hell? <laughs> and uh, I told that I, I enlisted the help of a travel agent because I it's not my strong suit, and Randy doesn't have time for it at the moment to, like, get this all figured out, and we actually have a deadline that we have to have it done by. So I enlisted the help of a travel agent, and he said, paint your perfect vacation. I'm like, well, if I had it my way, like, here's everything that I would want. But I know in my head that they all uh, they don't all have the same priority level. So what I think my point is, is that I think every buyer kind of knows that you're going to say everything that is absolutely your picture perfect. But when you're forced into making decisions is when you really learn like what what's people a want, what's a need. right, like what really the priority yep, is exactly right. versus like it would be nice, but it's not a deal breaker. Yep, that's exactly right. So it's a huge, huge moment to really drill down on, well, one being efficient and making sure that oh shit, I didn't know that 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 was the sticking point. I didn't yep. know that the cul-de-sac was the sticking point. Yep. Now I know we only look at houses on a cul-de-sac. Yep. So and what's super in- important about this, guys, is um, you know, most salespeople in the world. Uh, of any kind, whether it's a small business owner, whether they build roofs or whether they sell homes, they don't get paid anything for most of their hours, right? right? right so right. Uh, time management uh, is really important mm-hmm. to, to good business, right? And so if you don't pin somebody on, like, I really like a wood-burning fireplace, but I don't have to have a wood-burning fireplace, the ability to get to, are we sure that we should never look at a property never ever again, again unless right. it's got a wood-burning fireplace? Because that's a big statement. It's a big statement. A and, big never. Th- and now you're going from 10 possible houses to in the state to two. Right. <laughs> right? But now we're down to two. It's like, dude, take it or leave it. There's two. But like, if which they one do you say want? must be. Must have it. Okay. Then, uh, then you just saved yourself hours, hours and hours and hours and hours of time of hours. wasting their time right. driving around to properties that they're never going to buy because it's a absolute for them. It's right. Not a and I think a lot them. of salespeople really struggle to get there yep. most often. Well, I mean, usually they don't ask enough questions in the first place. Yeah. It's all about, oh, I got a live one. Let's go sell them some shit. And that's, let's go. And that's where the negative connotation about yeah. being a, a salesperson, well, that's where it comes from, yeah. is you know, not taking the time to find out what a client's goals are, how can I best help them get most of what they want, if not all of what they want, uh, which usually starts with not enough questions. Right. right? So the other thing too, is I firmly believe that too many options, and this is not just in sales, this is just in life. Too many options is a bad thing. Absolutely. It's just a bad thing. I hate restaurants that have like 50 pages. I can't stand it. It's like, what are you good at? Because you're certainly not good at all this. Right. Like don't have enchiladas, pizzas, (laughs) hamburgers, and steaks on the same fucking menu. You're not a steakhouse. You're not a seafood house. You're not a Thai place and a Chinese place at the same fucking place. It's just not real. It's just not real. So too many options is very confusing. I know I'm thinking about like a couple of restaurants and I'm like, it's never go back to those places. Never go back to those places. What are you good at? Have five options. I'll pick one. It'll be good. Yeah. So too many options is going to delay the process. It's going to confuse people and end a lot of times in frustration or defeat. Like I can't even make this decision because there's just too much to freaking choose from. Like the more you can, it is overwhelming. The more that you as a salesperson can come alongside them and help narrow down those options Mm -hmm. um, and help them fight the urge Mm -hmm. to want more options. Right. Cause that's the other thing is, well, but I just feel like I'm not seeing everything. Like find a way to demonstrate to them that you are, you are seeing everything. Right. Whether that's showing them everything that's available with the criteria or, you know, or whatever. But removing options is really, really, really helpful, really helpful. But that list summary closed, you know, one of the pieces here that I I said two or three different ways I want you to hear and not miss out on is if you are just regurgitating and pointing out the things that they already know, you're not adding value. Right. Mm, And a C personality and a thinker need uh, part of them choosing you is you showing them that you know more than them. You have something to offer them, right? So if you're a realtor, 
don't dismiss the fact that you notice a crack in right. the doorway, yeah, that's a good point. which might be a foundation issue. Point it out, right? Point it out. Uh, if you take the time as a realtor to identify that behind this fence is commercial development and there might be a freaking Walmart behind there, mm-hmm. point that out. That builds trust because they weren't, they're not going to, most buyers don't have the, the aren't looking at the lot behind them and thinking that's a warehouse. They're thinking that's just going to be more houses, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So pointing out things like that, and this applies across the board, but when you're getting that list summary, um, remember I pointed out the negatives. I did point out, mm-hmm. hey, it's, it's either not your price point or it doesn't have the fireplace. You're pointing out the negatives, but then you can also add an additional value that they might not have thought of, like what you don't know is there's a brand new, like I brought up Gardenridge. Mm-hmm. Gardenridge has a brand new high school. Uh, that was just built last year. And yeah. the property values in Garden Ridge are skyrocketing because we have a brand new middle school that came out three years ago, yeah. a brand new high school that came out one year ago. Mm-hmm. And now you've got another uh, epicenter for um, great families, great homes, great price ranges, and it's just going up. So yeah. what you might not recognize is the appreciation of this house is superior to this it. other neighborhood we looked at that has a little bit more of what you want but you might not be thinking about long-term value, yeah. right? Or finding a solution to the thing it doesn't have, yep. right? So I know you wanted um, wood burning, but this is actually gas. Well, here's what it takes to convert that, yeah, if convert. that's a thing. I have no idea. No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Here's what it takes to convert that. I just I don't know if that's something yep. you're interested in, but I wanted to know, you to know that's an option. Yep. Um, well, and also exit strategies, too. Like going back to I've got your back, like this is the knowledge that people don't always necessarily have, but – uh, I would say, for example, most realtors, when they're trying to sell somebody a primary residence for the living, they don't bring up what that house could rent for if there was an emergency, mm. right? Yeah. So for a thinker, as an example, you might say, hey, look, this has everything you're wanting for. But on top of that, I already double checked. Because rates are so low, your payment's only going to be on this property, 3000 bucks, mm-hmm. And I know for sure I could rent this thing out in 3700 bucks tomorrow. So yeah. if you ever got relocated, because I know you're down here for a new job, or maybe a year from now you decide you don't like your boss and you relocate here and you don't like this city. Yeah. If you couldn't sell it and get out from underneath it, the we cool thing about this house is with that pool, with all those things, I can make sure that your mortgage is covered and then some. I and like you have that. a good investment property as well. So again, this is about adding value mm-hmm. and thinkers need that extra or they will not choose you or choose the property that might be a good fit for them. Yes. Right? Two things. So one thing my mom, who's a realtor, has always told me is, I do not want, I don't want to put my buyers in any house that I can't sell for them really quickly five years down the road when they're ready. And I think, you know, as a buyer, if I heard that, like that would make me feel really good. Like, okay. It's also planning the assumption of like, I'll be helping you again in five years. Right. Subtly. That's pretty funny. Um, But I think that's great. Um, The other thing that I now can't remember, and I knew this would freaking happen. Um, oh, so for thinkers, I think it's really important to notate that one of, one of the things you can do to best get on their good side and immediately gain value and trust is to compliment and acknowledge and validate the work work that they've done and what they know about the process already and how much time they've put into really understanding what they want from a house. No, you know, most people like they sit down and they don't really have it mapped out on what they yeah. want. And so we don't have anywhere to start from. I love that you've done your homework. I love that you know the comps. I love that you have a budget. Like yep. those things go a really oh, long dude, way. Like uh, the number of times in my career that I've said, said somebody that gets on the phone and I'm like, okay, so you found the house. Like, yeah, the payment's going to be 2,300 bucks. Like, <laughs> awesome. What mortgage calculator <laughs> did you use? You can What's be a loan officer. Number? Like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and they say, well, my expre- Excel spreadsheet shows this. And I'm looking at the numbers. I'm like, there's no way it's going to be the numbers. It's going to be a lot higher. They missed something. Mm-hmm. And then they show it to me. What I'll do is I'll literally say, oh, you got that spot on. The P&I is perfect. You looked at the tax. That's perfect. But, but like, if you looked at the insurance, that's perfect. Well, you forgot, though, or what's missing what's from missing this from would this? be you, you have to have mortgage insurance for the loan type you're doing. If you added in the factor of 0.85% and you put that in your numbers, what payment do you come up with? And they tell you, it's like, holy crap, you could be a loan officer. That's exactly what I came up with. You're the most. Right? I mean, so it's like what you're saying is spot on. And it's not because the fastest way for that personality type, a C personality, for you to lose them is for you to criticize their work. Oh, man, don't do it. If you criticize their work, then you're dead to them. Right? Because C personalities, they literally, uh, they're. They're accurate. Well, they are accurate people. And. Uh, if you are telling me I don't do a good job or my work is not good, it's an assault on me because yes. I am my work. Yes. I am my product. Yes. I am and it's accurate. right. 
because I'm so accurate and I took so much time and how yep. there could I did possibly so much be research. Yeah. I did so much yeah. research. I couldn't possibly be wrong. Yeah. So, so it's, you have to be subtly kind of work through that. But, uh, but I'm actually super impressed with like, I've, I've seen some spreadsheets from some I mean, super sizes before. I'm like, holy shit, can I borrow this? Can I borrow Especially there was this? an investor. There was an investor <laughs> about nine years ago, eight years ago. Abel, I think it's Abel. Abel Pacheco. I mean, um, he's and still anyways, I think it was Abel. If it's not you, Abel, I apologize. But um, it was an investor friend of mine from almost a decade ago. And he literally pulled out this, this, this spreadsheet and showed me what his cash and cash return investment, what his ROI was going to be, what his, uh, what his appreciation, what this, his bro. write-offs through depreciation was going to be. What the overall tax net would be, it's like holy crap, dude! And mm-hmm. he did a low. He had the, the the low, medium, and high for if I only rent it for this, if I rent for this, if I rent it for this, here's what the numbers all shake out to. I was like, you are God. That's good legit. For you. That's yeah. legit. Yeah. So uh, moving on, because that's the list summary close, and that's one of the three that we want to cover today. The, the the next one that you have to think about is also called the takeaway close. Okay. Yeah. Now I don't like talking about this a lot from a client perspective because. It doesn't sound right, but and, uh, and it's hard to yeah. me. This it's, it's is the one of one. the hardest. Yeah. Um, you know, it take because I don't. I'm more on the relationship side. Yep. What it takes for me to get to a takeaway is like, man, like you're really unhappy, and you're kind of making me really unhappy. Like most of the time, yep. like. Ma- you know, you don't have to use us, right? <laughs> like right. nobody's forcing you. Let I just feel like you'd be happier someone somewhere else. Yep. Like, uh, but it's hard. Yep. It's very hard to to say that. So well, anyway, p- it also goes back to what the purpose is. So um, you know, the purpose is twofold. Number one is is that you want to have a relationship when this is done, right? Yes, like, absolutely. Uh, if if w- the way you're describing, if you're in a if one person's not having a good time, not enjoying the process, shit. Whether you're spending thirty thousand on a car or three hundred thousand on a house, like it's expensive, you should enjoy it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so if that's not the case, it's probably best to reset boundaries or go different ways. But the second thing is, is if somebody's not following your process, like if you yeah. own the company or you have a team or you have a product line or whatever, and people are trying to skip around and do the, the way they want to, oh, it doesn't. Painful. It's not a good fit for the business. Doesn't mean they're not a good fit for somebody else's business, but it's not a good fit. So it's getting people back on the same page so you can more cleanly work together yes. to make sure that nothing's missed, especially in our world. Like in, in home buying, you miss a step, you miss closing. If you miss closing, yes. you could lose the house. Like it's a big deal to follow the process mm-hmm. the right way. And there's a method, the madness for any process-driven company. And here's, here's how important the process is. Like where right. I see myself get sideways on the process is when I'm trying to do something special for somebody. For your friend. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you're so special that you are not going to follow the process and therefore your shit is going to be messed up yep, for, sure. for sure. That's what you're saying for sure. <laughs> because it's like, Oh, well let's just fast track. Like fa- I just, and I've had to train myself. No, follow just process. follow the process. Yeah, process put in, in place for a reason. For a reason. And yep. so, yeah, anytime you start to feel that yep. tug of like, why is this so difficult? So I'm going to give a, a real estate and a lending, two different examples of, of takeaway closes that you may have experienced, you might need to experience, you might need to do yourself, right? So let's just talk about 2021 market in real estate. Um, and this is almost nationwide, if not nationwide at this point. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to pay the asking price mm-hmm. or possibly over it, over. you're not going to get the house, yeah. right? There are exceptions to the rules, but when the inventory especially in, you know, major metro areas of Texas or Colorado or Florida or Mm -hmm. Tennessee or Arizona, when those metro areas have less than a month's inventory, it means that there are way more buyers than sellers. So the sellers are going to get what they want, right? Mm -hmm. So what's, you know, I, I coach a lot of realtors. And one thing I see that's really bad for both the realtor and the buyer is, a buyer will put their foot in the sand and say, I'm not going to pay a dollar over list price, right? And the agent is not strong enough to say, then you then should rent. Should, right. Then this or is not, you yeah. need to be okay paying X amount over list price because you're not going to get the house. What ends up happening is they run around together making offer after offer after offer after offer. Prices keep going up because appreciation is real. Rates yeah. keep going up because rates are going up. And at the end of the day, the relationship does end and it ends ugly because inevitably the buyer blames the agent for not getting them what they want. But the agent, but the buyer didn't follow the agent's advice. Right. Right. right so right. what that takeaway close might look like is 
Bryn, I totally understand why in a normal market you would be unwilling uh, to pay over uh, over the listing price. Right. I don't blame you. I'd feel the same way. Uh, but you told me that you need to validate. Be in a yes. I want to pause you right there. Validation is so big. It's so big. You have to empathize. You ha- and yeah. you have to tell them that their questions are good. Their concerns are real They're and valid. Real. Yep. And every other buyer has the same things. Like there is yep. something about like, you know, when you're like sitting in a, in a meeting and like, do you have any questions? And you raise your hand and the, you ask your question and the speaker goes, that's a great question. You're like, it is a great question. Whether it is or not, not the point, right? It makes such you such an eye response. I love <laughs> that. Okay. You don't like it when people tell you that was a good question? I know it was a good question. I wouldn't have asked it. Oh, my gosh. I'm a knower. <laughs> I'm not a thinker or a feeler. You're like, damn right it was. You're welcome. You're welcome for making your speech better. <laughs> <laughs> so, so validate. The validate is the, is the big thing. So the way I'd finish that up is I'd say, hey, listen, like I totally understand why you wouldn't in a normal market, but mm-hmm. um, do you trust my professional advice, Bryn? Do you yeah. trust it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. In this market, we can keep making, I, I took you out and we made three options, three properties. And I did that knowing you would not get it accepted because I think I think you need to experience it. Okay. Mm. We cannot keep making offers and expect different results. If you are unwilling to make an offer, if it's a new listing, this is not a listing that's 90 days old. Right. If it's a new listing on the market, one hour, if you're unwilling to make offers that are going to be five to 10% over asking price, or if you're unable to, because that might be the reason too. Right. Then I got to tell you, I am not the right agent for you because I will be wasting your time and mine both by making offer off after offer and our relationship will come to a bad end. That's the thing. Our relationship right? is going to end badly. You're so going to be. Or the other option is you rent. Rent for a year. Mm-hmm. Hope that the market comes back to normal. But right now when it's one month's inventory, yeah. it's not realistic to get you what you're asking for. Or you don't need to move. This is more of a want. Yes. So. So stay. Ride it out yeah. and don't play in this market if you don't have to. Yeah. You know, it's so it's a takeaway close. And what you got to be really clear is you're risking the relationship. But you're in the also business. You're in the ri- business. Because yes. remember, like not everybody is sitting in a position where they have more business than they can handle. Yep. Dif- no matter what industry you're in. That's not everybody. And so and we've talked about this before in other episodes where we don't want to tell a client that we're not going to help them. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have enough in the pipeline or we don't know where the next deal is going to come from. So therefore, we make concessions and we do things that we don't love that aren't true to our value or mission or product or service, whatever. And it starts this very ugly, very ugly downhill slope of of customer service and relationship and everything. Right. Did I confuse you? I think you could. Well, I think I heard you right. We do not do that at all because we know how it ends, right? We've, we've experienced right. that before. I think that's what you meant to say, right? So we've definitely gone down that road before. As I've done that as a younger loan officer where I felt like every deal mattered, uh, which it does. Well, I think my point was go, going, back service, yes. like oh, okay, going back to lead generation, like going back to lead generation, you know, yeah. if, we're gonna, if we're willing to break our own rules that we have identified as here's the process, there's a reason we designed this process, yeah, 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 and yeah. now I'm yeah, willing yeah. to break the rules and make myself miserable and my client miserable, what's the reason behind it? Yep. And, and it's, that's it's so true. So, 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 so true. And so with that takeaway close, at the end of the day, um, what I want people to realize is people will tell me when I, they'll argue with me, people like coach say, if I do that, I'm going to hurt the relationship. And my answer is, if you don't do that, you're definitely hurting the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like yes. you're, you're trying to solve the problem by explaining that you're not the best fit because they're not willing to follow your rules. Right. Yep. So I'll be using the lending example because it, it will probably stand out to a lot of people on this that have ever bought a house ever. Okay. So if you bought a house prior to 2007, you could lie and say whatever, and nothing was ever documented for most everyone for about three year period of time, four year period of time, the liar loan days. And so people I've had, even this year in 2021, I've had people that literally get uh, upset that they have to actually provide paychecks and bank statements and W2s and tax returns because last time I didn't have to do that. So what's wrong with you? And so I'll have people argue and and here, newsflash, if you were gonna lend somebody 500,000 bucks, would you wanna make sure they can pay it back? Like that's such a good very, lens. It's that's a very basic thought process. Like, yes, we need to prove that you can pay it back. Yeah. But no, I don't want to make your life difficult. But yes, these are the rules. And in most in most cases, the uh, government makes the rules. But past that, it's just makes sense if you think about it from the other entities. That's the you thing. You can't write a check for this house. So right. you're asking somebody to just trust you. 
No, let's just show the documents. So yeah. when people get sideways that way, it doesn't happen very often, but a couple times a year, I'll literally, especially when we have a closing date on the line, and somebody's arguing that I, don't, I didn't have to do that last time, what I have to do this time, and they don't get my team what they need mm-hmm. for a week after week, and now we're looking at, we're 10 days away from closing, and I still don't have this one thing still I've been asking for this. for three weeks. Yeah. What yeah. it sounds like is, hey, Bob, uh, listen, I feel like I'm dropping the ball for you in your words on customer service. So let me tell you why. I know I've asked for the same tax return for the last three weeks, and you've argued with me and my team and me and my team about that for three weeks. I hear you loud and clear you didn't have to last time, but here's the deal. Uh, in my job is to help you close on time. I cannot close your loan on time or ever without the tax return. So you got two options, and either one's totally okay. You can either give me the tax return by the end of the day today, or I'll happily send your loan to any other bank that we can do the loan without the tax return. Just let me know who to send it to. Yeah. But I need to know, <laughs> are you sending me the tax return today? Or am I sending your loan somewhere else? Which one is best for you? But I want to help you get the home you want. Do you ever ask people, can you help me understand why you don't want to provide this? Do you ever ask that? Uh, in so many words, yes. Because it goes back to what are you hiding? What do you, like, why, like, what why is it? Why not you send me bank Like, stuff? is it ego and pride? Or is it that you don't know how? Or you can't get a hold of your accountant? Or, or you know that the numbers don't look good. Right. Yeah, right. Like I, so, so you do kind of ask a form of that and yeah, so I always assume the customer is always right. General rule of thumb for customer service. Yeah. Like they're not hiding anything, but when it comes up again and again, and again, I'm always, I, it actually makes me draw more attention to for why sure. am I not getting this? Yeah, why? What's the deal? Well, and here's, here's, here's the truth. Like there is mortgage fraud yeah. for sure yeah. in America today. It happens all the time. Right. And so, um, suspicious behavior like not being able or willing to get a verification of employment or not being able or willing to get a paycheck is suspicious. So it we're going to just kind of like, like make sure a little like flag, like, Oh, yeah. doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole point of this is what the takeaway close is, is it's a hope to preserve the relationship and or get people back on track to help them get what they want I because that. I can't get them what they want if they don't get me what I need. Right. 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 The, and so it's that kind of realignment of, of whatever. In all businesses that are service industry, we like the wh- whatever, whenever button, the W button, right? The whatever, whenever button. I love that button. Right. You hit the button and <laughs> somebody's going to answer and get you whatever the hell you want. I love that button. In real life, especially in small businesses, there is no business that is literally open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They can get what you whatever, whenever, period. I know. Uh, and so setting expectations about when you are available in the service Very industry good, is yeah, a real one, right? Start, like yeah. I work my butt off for my clients yeah. Monday through Friday. Yeah. I even have a team on call. Yeah. Half the day right. on Saturday and Sunday. Right. But I personally am not going to call back a client <laughs> it's like on God's you day. You can't figure out my family. how to get what you need right. in the 9,000 hours we provide. Right, right. Right. And I'd like to say whatever, whenever, but the reality is, is and I hope this is for the listeners too, yeah. that you value your own family more than you value any customer because that's the type of people you want to be with anyways. Yeah. Right. So I want to be with my family who are young for this long on a Sunday. Absolutely. Sunday's so the day. The takeaway close might be as simple as, hey, look, I know we talked earlier that like, I'm not available on Sundays. I'm available every other day, but not but not Sundays. Not Sunday. And uh, you called me at two in the morning on Sunday, texted me at eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday and got mad at me when I didn't return your call at three o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> so I might not be the best person for you. So if you need to go somewhere else, I totally understand. Yeah. But if you can call me any other day but Sunday, we're good. We're good. We're right. good. So that's what um, that takeaway closes. Last uh, one. The other ver- well, really quick, the other uh-huh. version of the takeaway is so you know when you start helping a friend or a family member and you're like really excited in the beginning and then all of a sudden things just start to get uncomfortable and awkward and now you're in this weird position because it's your best friend or it's whatever. The relationship's too close. A great thing to do, well, first and foremost, understand that it's not just you that feels that way. They feel that way, too. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're feeling uncomfortable and like it's not going right, they do, too. Mm -hmm. And so give them the out. So go in, and I just had to use this. It's like, I, you know, what do you think about letting this be our last month? Like, if we can't find something by the end of the month, like, what do you think about just, let's just put the brakes on release them of that, like give them the out. That is, especially if you're concerned about preserving the relationship, be the bigger person 
and relinquish yeah. them. Release them. From release them from the obligation. Always said free willy. Free, free, and you know you'll be able to tell really quickly. Like, well, either question it. What do you mean? Then that's your opportunity to yep. kind of get things back on track. Or they're like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yep. And you know that it was the right decision. Yep. And now there's no hard feelings. It was your choice. They didn't have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. You didn't get fired by your best friend. You decide. You made the decision. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great thing to keep in your back pocket too, is just being being aware, being aware, that. being willing to do it. And the last one that we want to talk about on this episode is the obligation clause. Yeah, this one's super ballsy too. Uh, you think it's ballsy? Interesting. I do. So that I goes do. back to I personality, I and do. I'm a D personality. So um, let me frame of. when you would use an obligation clause correctly. Because I think people have a negative connotation about what the, like being obligated doesn't feel good, right? So here's when I use it and when I think the appropriate time to use it. Anytime you do anything above and beyond the normal scope of your job, mm-hmm. it's okay to ask for something in return. Right. And not only and is I it know okay, that logically. <laughs> right. And not only is it okay, like I think that it's expected, right? Like uh, I'll give you an example. I had a private party for with a, a – I think it was – well, I've had a lot of private parties – but with music, right? So we had a band mm-hmm. and we were having a great time and the party was winding up right about the time when the band was about to go. So we had agreed on this many hours to play and I didn't want the party to stop. So what <laughs> did I do? We have the conversation. We look each other in the eye and say, this is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment where it goes bad, <laughs> This Josh. is the moment where right. really weird decisions start being but, made. <laughs> but what I did is I walked up to the band and I said, hey, I'll uh, I'd like you to play for another hour. Well, that is now outside the normal scope of work. So what is the expectation? It'll be double. I'll pay you more money <laughs> for the extra hour or for the extra it's overtime, hours. baby. Time it's and a half. Time, right? Time and a half. So it's, it, I'm framing it that way for everyone to understand. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, that's a great example. If you're doing above and beyond that's whatever the normal scope of duty is or whatever you agreed on, it's okay to ask for something additional, right? It is. Here's the thing too. I think that's very important is a lot of times in our line of work, we will do things that are above and beyond, but no one knows it Right. because we just want to do what's right. But mean in the meantime, we're sitting there going, can you believe they freaking asked me to power wash the sidewalks on my own? Or can you, uh, can you believe they asked me to literally go to their CPA's office and pick up documents? Like who does that? Well, they may not know that that's not normal. So it's our job to say like, wow, that's really not something I normally do. But for you, because I love you, I'll do it. If I do this for you, can you do blank? And then if I do that, but point out that it is something different and out of the ordinary. And that's the key. And that way you don't have to feel bad about it. But let me just give you an example. We're going to, this will lead into the next conversation and next week, but it's the best businesses are referral based businesses in stop best businesses. So, they really uh, a lot, but a lot, most, not most, almost all uh, salespeople suck at asking for referrals. Yeah. Suck. yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck, suck, suck at it. Yes. And so an obligation close by itself is a great way to remember, hey, it's time to ask for a referral. It's okay right now. I'm earning it, right? So let me just give you an example, okay? So what's the example of real estate? Okay, in real estate, uh, unfortunately, not every seller that's leaving a house actually cleans up the house. They might leave garbage right. everywhere, right? Yeah. Now, the buyer that's buying that house is expecting the damn thing to be picked up and not have to take out the freaking trash bags and crap from the dog out of the laundry room. They're expecting it to be freaking clean when they buy their their, their new house, even though it's a pre-owned property. And sometimes sellers suck, right? So what I'll I'll have all the time, I'll see agents, you know, the the buyer's agent will take the buyer through a final walkthrough the day of closing. And the buyer was all excited about buying the house. And they walk through and it's a damn disaster. And so, of course, the buyer's agent calls the selling agent, and the selling agent is nowhere to be found, right? Now, is it the buyer's job responsibility and their job duties to clean the fucking house? The buyer's? No, the no. buyer's, no. Yeah, no. The buyer's agent's job is to help you find a house to buy. It is not to clean up the house for you. Oh, the right? buyer's agent. The buyer's agent, agent right. Agent, correct. Nor is it the listing agent's job to clean up the house. They're, they should make it ready to sell. If I was an agent, I would somehow work this like into, like 
it would be make ready. It should be. It should be. It's the right thing to do when you're selling a couple hundred thousand dollar property. But you have to anyone, negotiate right? it though. It's got to be. Well, you and that's talk where about the opposition like, club comes in. Is quite often it. it's the scarecrow of whose job is it, and it's like a whole lot of pointing fingers, right? Well, and so here's the, and here's the thing. Let me pause right there too. The thing is, in that scenario, when do buyer when do the walkthroughs happen? The day before closing, or the, the day. Closing. day. So yeah. now you're now you add pressure of this crazy timeline to an uncomfortable situation and that's when shit goes bad real fast absolutely and so the thought process then is is what i see a lot of poor uh meaning poor business people uh um great nice agents but Mm -hmm. just not smart about business what i'll see them do is they assume that you know what just keep the deal together I'll just go ahead and pay the $500 cleaning fee to keep my client satisfied and happy, which Mm -hmm. is a great thought, right? Right. But you just gave up, the agent just gave up 500 Mm -hmm. bucks that they earned Mm -hmm. to fix a problem that they didn't create, right? right? So a lot of agents will make that business decision because they don't want the deal to fall apart, which is great. But what if instead of just outright saying, yeah, no problem, don't don't worry about it, I'll I'll fix the house, I'll get it cleaned up. What if the agent said to you, if you were the one that, that... you know your agent did the job. You know the seller sucks. And your agent said this to you. Hey, listen, you know that this falls on the seller. And I am appalled that the seller and the seller's agent allowed this house to be in this condition. Okay? If I pay 500 bucks to get a cleaning crew in here in the next 24 hours to get taken care of, if I do that for you, which you understand is not normal, not normal. can I rely on you for three referrals in the next six months? Would you refer me so I can make the money back? Yeah. Like if you were asked that, would that would you feel good about that? Now that's an obligation, right? If you say, Yeah, of course, yeah, then it's okay also for me to call you in two months and <coughs> say, Hey, did you run across anyone that's looking to buy sell or refinance? No? Okay, cool. I'll talk to you in two months. Hey, did you run across <laughs> anyone that's looking to buy sell or yeah. refinance? No. But um, that's the obligation part of the obligation close. Yeah. Is it's a when you're above and beyond the the duty, then the the quote is if I will you. Will you? If I will you. You're not agreeing to anything. You're not disagreeing to it. You're just setting out firm terms that you can both live with. Both live with. Okay, so two things. So one, I, I want to point out that you gave a specific number and a time frame. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important because I think it does – there's a lot of people that would just say yes because that's – well, or maybe it's just me. Maybe because I'm an I. I. Like, yes, of course. Like, sure. Without giving it much thought. But if you say, here's the number, here's a time frame, it's at least going to make me stop and think a little bit harder about whether I can commit to it. Second thing is, what if they say no? Yep. Then well, what? Then what's the option left? Well, now it's now it truly is a business decision, right? Because they're they're not agreeing to what y- what you think is reasonable compensation. Like, like think go back. Let's use this. Get out the emotional buying, and let's just go to the band, right? Hey, if I pay you an extra hundred bucks, will you play an extra hour? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, then you don't get the extra hundred bucks. I mean, like it's sure. it's a okay thing for you to say no. If I how much would it cost? Well, if I pay <laughs> 500 bucks to clean this room, can I get three referrals? No. No. Okay. Well, what do you want to do then? What do you want to do? <laughs> because what you, I can make the business decision to say, well, you're fucking on your own. Well, then, then you, you, then the you go to the why not. Why not? Right. <laughs> right? Why, why not? <laughs> and, and I would argue that if, uh, I, I think that most agents, most business people will do the right thing. Right? They'll try to help out in what yeah. they can. But... This might also be the point where you already realize that you never want to deal with this person ever again in your life. You're not aligned. <laughs> They're not nice people. They're rude to you or, or whatever. And you might say, listen, I am so sorry I'm in this condition. Um, I can refer you to a great cleaning company. Absolutely. And they can yeah. do it, take it or leave it, but you can make a business decision. So you can use that across the board in a ton of different areas. But what the obligation close is, is you don't want to feel like somebody's under your thumb. It's a fair trade. It is a tr- and hey, the, the way I, and the way I look at it too, it's all about falling forward. So, if let's say you know you may not you may not get your request, you may mm-hmm. not get those three referrals in six months, but holy shit, you have a way better chance of getting them than if you never asked before. Yeah. And you're also shit, getting one. Getting one is better yeah. than none. Um, so I think the idea is like also getting in the practice of value it's it goes back to really valuing like your product, your and, product and service um and i know i fall into the trap a lot of uh, of assuming right like of you know 
of course I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell you how important it is. And I don't really need to ask. Like, you know, I want referrals, right? So make sure that you're very, very clear about why you're doing something. And it's twofold, right? You need to be in this house. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. But, you know, we got to find a solution. But two, it's with the hope that you'll continue to refer me. So, and I think that's the beauty, beautiful thing about, about closing skills and scripting and everything is really finding your own finesse on how it works for you. Yep. Because it's also mm. what I would say as far as homework for everyone that's listening is uh, the next time you have a really great buying experience where you bought something, you felt really, really great about it. Pay attention to what that person did or said before, during and after. Yeah. Like they spoke your language. That is what you appreciate. So if you can figure out, okay, this is what I can apply to people like me. That's great. The next time that you have a really bad experience where you're like, um, I mean, I hate the person, I hate the product, I hate the service. This was a horrible experience, <laughs> horrible you make me or cry. whatever, yeah. right? Pay attention yeah. and understand what was it that person did, said, what, you know, before, during, and after that mm. made you feel icky and understand yeah. that if you are in sales, you don't want to make people feel that way. I know when that be horrible. Because that's what you're doing that's if you are not mean. speaking their language. Yeah, that's what right? you're doing, yeah. If you're rushing through with a thinker, if you're not acknowledging feelings with a feeler, if you're being too long-winded with a bullet point D personality gut person, right? If you are ignoring the decision-maker spouse, mm-hmm. if you are ignoring or diminishing the non-decision-maker spouse, all those things make for people feeling like you suck and this is a bad experience, I'll never use you again. Because we want to take this to the last step in the next episode, which is, how do you uh, build a referral-based business? Yes. And I'll tell you, you'll go back again and again and again to that same car salesperson if you had a great experience. Yes. You'll go back to that same mortgage person, that same realtor. You'll go back to the same uh, uh, boutique clothing store. Yeah. If they made you feel good. The same person who does your hair. The yep. same. I mean, just all, exactly right. all the things. And let me tell you, like, what a relief it is when no matter what you need, you have somebody for that. Yep. That's really nice. Yep. So you want to be that person for, for it, for your people, right? Yep. Like, be their their security blanket. Like, anytime I think real estate, oh, I've got somebody to take care of that. Yep. Oh, I got my mortgage people lined up. Oh, I've got an inspector. Oh, I've got my That's decorator. Exactly right. It's great. Yep. And the, what my final thoughts on this episode is this the reminder that um, people work with people they know, like, and trust. And the key to trust that I, I've been reminded again and again and again is trust is earned in drips and mm. lost in buckets. Jeez it's Louise. earned in drips and lost in buckets. So the earning in drips is repeating, acknowledging, mm-hmm. affirming, uh, empathizing, and helping people make decisions. And if you do that well the first time, they trust they'll help you do it the next time, yeah. which will be the next episode. Which will be the next episode. Of Sigmund Sense. But Absolutely. how can people uh, keep up with us? Yes. So obviously, we'd love for you to follow us um, on all of our social platforms, which Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of those places. Uh, email us at SigmundSense at gmail.com. Uh, with comments, questions, concerns to tell us that you don't like Josh's shirt. That's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's cute. Um, and tell your friends and subscribe and all the things. And thank you for visiting us next time yeah. on Sigmund Sense, guys. Talk to you later. Cheers.